We could survive that. We could survive that. We could survive. <coughs> Hello and welcome to We Could Survive That, your survival guide to the movies. I'm Jack, and today I'm joined by a man whose name is Chris. Thank fuck it isn't Buck. Hello, Chris. How are you? Good morning, and thank God it is not Buck either. I believe he is disgusting and disturbed, but has possibly the best named vehicle after Jay's... Was it Pussy Patrol car thing? What does he call it? It was Pussy Wagon in this. I don't know. Jay from the in-between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The British version, not the terrible, not the terrible American version. Oh, that was so bad, wasn't it? <laughs> Very bad. Yes. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Kill Bill, Quentin Tarantino's fourth film, released in 2003, volume one, specifically, Chris. Specifically, yes. Specifically. Let's get specific about this. Yeah. Originally intended to be one long film, and then he decided to cut it into two. I think the second part is, is well over two hours. First this one's hour fifty-seven. Second one's two hours seventeen. That's a very that would have, yeah. I'll, a I'll near four-hour film. I watch a supercut of both of them. I want to see all four, just under four hours of it. The purpose of a supercut is to make something smaller. Is it okay? I misused the word, <laughs> but I want to see both of them put together. Just stitch them together. And we'll just watch an entire Kill Bill film. Do that on your own time, but <laughs> I'm doing it here. Do it, don't do it now. It takes too much time. So no, yeah, we're going to be doing volume one of Kill Bill. So let's get into it, Chris. Let's set the scene with a brief introduction of the Deadly Viper Assassin Group. It's a catchy name. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? It is. Deadly Viper. <laughs> yeah. But then they're all named after snakes, aren't they? Yeah, so they're a, a crack team of assassins led by a mysterious figure called Bill. The team includes Lucy Lou's O'Ren, whose code name is Cottonmouth. Sidewinder, who's the only male on the team. I don't know, is Bill on the team? He's the leader, but... He heads the team, doesn't he? Yeah. You you only see his hands and hear his voice in this film, don't you? Yeah. So Sidewinder is played by uh, Tarantino regular Michael Madsen. California Mountain Snake, played by Daryl Hannah. Then Vivian A. Fox plays Copperhead. And the team is rounded out by Black Mamba, played by Uma Thurman. Uh, who's the protagonist of this film. Now, things go downhill for her pretty quickly when she's murdered at her wedding and she's pregnant and everyone else at the wedding is killed by the Deadly Viper assassin squad. Can we just say Deadly Vipers? I'm not, Deadly gonna, Vi- I'm not saying their full name every time. <laughs> it is a bit of a mouthful, yeah. It also sounds like something that would be like... The villains to the Power Rangers. Or G.I. Joe. Yeah. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? (laughs) It's along those lines, isn't it? Yeah, it's not very catchy. But Uma Thurman's unnamed character is... The Bride. As she's known to the audience. She's shot in the head by Bill. Bill's pretty satisfied that that's it. She's, She's been killed for unknown reasons that will probably be gotten into in volume two. And that's how the the film kicks off. And uh, we flash forward. Another classic Tarantino. So much jumping around in this film. <laughs> yeah, it's a signature of his non-linear storytelling. Um, and we jump forward to the second person on her kill list, which is uh, noted in chapter one, two, the title card that, yeah. <laughs> that pops up. And yeah, second on her kill list is Copperhead. And Uma Thurman 
rocks up in the pussy wagon up to this nondescript suburban house, knocks on the door, and then Copperhead opens the door and there's flashback with the Kill Bill. Do I do an impression of the music? No, I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put a clip in to avoid any more horrible, horrible impressions. But yeah, that music plays and a fight breaks out between these two deadly assassins. Uh, It's a pretty brutal fight, given the mundane setting. I like that. The brutal fight in the mundane setting. Yeah. Real contrast. The fight is cut short, though, when Copperhead's daughter shows up off of the school bus. There's an uneasy truce that's um, spoken without words. Eye contact. Vivian A. Fox does some acting. I wouldn't have stuck to that. As soon as the daughter came in, I would have been like, Look at her! Stab! Stab in the back! <laughs> stab in the back! Yeah. Well, would you want to kill someone in front of your daughter? I mean, of course you would. In front of their daughter? Yeah. Traumatise the kid and turn him into an elite assassin when they're older so they get revenge. I just created the perfect weapon. But what if it was your daughter? What, and I was killing somebody or being killed? Killing someone. I would pay the £2.50 an hour for the psychiatric help they would need afterwards. £2.50 is not enough for psychiatric help, Chris. <laughs> it is for somebody I found. <laughs> You're very tight and stingy. So the the fight is stopped and the daughter goes off into another room and Copperhead has a moment to talk with uh, Uma Thurman's character. They go into the kitchen and Copperhead is fixing up some supper. She's pleading her case to the bride going, hey, I'm a different person now than when I ruined your wedding and was partially responsible for murdering you. <laughs> I have a daughter now. So, but Uma's not swallowing any of this. Just because you have a kid now doesn't mean you're a different person. So they set up a time and a place because the bride doesn't want to kill Copperhead in the same house as where her daughter's pottering about. So they come up with a, with a, a showdown time, Chris. And um, it's all settled upon until Copperhead gets a box of cereal called Kaboom. I think they're called. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that on the box. And there's a gun hidden in the in the box of cereals. Copperhead tries to take a cheap shot at Uma. Uh, she misses badly. I might point out for an elite assassin, she. Is way off with her shot. I don't think a gun is a primary weapon, though. Is she more used to knife play? Well, yeah, I don't think none of them, because I was I was thinking when the bride knocked on the door and she opened it, and I was at the moment I was staring in the flashing red eyes and flashback. If she had a gun, she could shot her then. As soon as she opened the door, just point blank in the head, silenced. You know, the daughter comes home to find her. You hide the body. <laughs> no, don't even hide the body. Just leave it. <laughs> leave it on the front door for the daughter to find. No... <laughs> No, so Copperhead takes a shot, misses, gets a cup of tea kicked at her and a knife thrown at her in the chest. And then there's a brief moment where the daughter comes back and Uma goes, hey, if you still feel bad about this in a few years, come find me. And then walks out and leaves a dead body with a four-year-old or a five-year-old, however old she is. Brutal. (laughs) It is. It's Yeah, it's bad, isn't it? And the whole thing of, in a few years, come find me. This is assuming that the girl receives some sort of training so she can actually fight the bride because she appears to be an expert martial artist. There's no appears uh, about it. She she is, yeah. She is. A brutal martial artist, yeah. Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman came up with the, the bare bones of this when they were filming Pulp Fiction. Right. And Tarantino liked a lot of old kung fu movie so this is kind of his homage to that basically copperhead as survival tactics first off do you take the organized showdown 
No, you organise it. You don't take the uh, the pot shot at her. And then basically what happens is she'll go... Uma Thurman's character or the bride will go to the showdown area. At which point you're already on a plane with your daughter and husband flying across the Atlantic. It's a good plan. So you wouldn't... You'd organise the showdown, but you'd run away. That's a very un like survival strategy. But wait. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> no, there's no more. There's We run away. Okay. You don't put a gigantic bomb in the meeting zone and blow uh, up the whole football stadium or wherever it is no, they were you simply contact Bill and say she's alive and she's awake? Well... Technically, Bill already knows because of the non-linear, because of the linear, <laughs> because of the non-linear storytelling. This is the second kill. Oh yeah, and spoilers: Lucy Liu's character is already dead. But if you, I can get why he's done it for this particular one because if you do it in order, that whole Lucy Liu madness that happens with the crazy 88 and everything is well, then, your second act and then you end it with a, a kitchen fight so that doesn't work for escalation so i like how he's yeah, done yeah. it start off with a more mundane fight and then fucking crazy <laughs> craziness <laughs> at the end which is pretty good yeah so bill knows by this point i don't know whether bill has told the rest of his deadly viper well, apparently assassin not. squad. Yeah. Because she looks really surprised when she turns up the door. Well, so. maybe because Copperhead's out of the loop now. She's dropped the assassination game and she's a housewife now. So Surprises maybe that's me why. that Bill would allow her to do that. He seems like the sort of employee who's like, once you're in the squad, you're in it till you're dead. I don't know. Maybe Copperhead got a get-out-of-jail-free clause or something like that. She has to do the impossible assassination. She done John Wick. Yeah, she... <laughs> Killed, killed a bunch of guys with a pencil or something, yeah. It could be the case. For whatever reason, though, I, I'm probably not sure Copperhead would be in contact. With uh, with old Bill. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I feel by this point the squad's already been broken up. Cause they're off but, all doing their own things. Yeah. Okay, well, at this point, yeah, I would uh, just flee. And this way you can get more prepared so she won't turn up unexpectedly at your door. So you're ready and waiting because she'll probably find you again. Yeah, oh, definitely. Or hide uh, a bigger gun in your cereal. <laughs> or hide a bigger gun. Or, or gun with more shots because I don't... She takes one shot but doesn't... Yeah, because she gets a coffee kicked at her. Yeah, but you can pull the trigger quicker. Maybe it's you? a single shot pistol, those little tiny ones. Maybe. Maybe that was the prize in the box of Kaboom. What, a live... <laughs> a live a, gun. Live firing guns, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Kids love them. <laughs> I think the only other survival thing you could do is, rather than fleeing, you go to a football stadium, but you hide somewhere, or baseball stadium, with a sniper, and you have a decoy standing in the field. A dummy. <laughs> well, not necessarily a dummy, just, you know, somebody else that you've you've hired to that do this. That looks a bit like Vivica A. Fox. Or, you know, wear a hat pulled over your face. Right. Uma Thurman turns up, and then you, uh, you take a shot at her. But this has to be a one shot, one kill, because if you miss, then it's, it's going to go down. You're screwed. Yeah. And she's going to get you. But this this is the riskier option, but it's a bigger payoff because if you eliminate the threat, you can go back to your normal life. But if you don't, then, then the, the, the bride's going to get you. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're in trouble. Uh, I'm not sure you've got enough time to set up a, a kind of Bane trap where the football stadium or baseball stadium floor Oh, she's definitely collapses. got contacts. <laughs> she brings up Bane. Hey, you know that baseball stadium that you blow up? Can I? Can I? Can I borrow the explosives <laughs> for that? I've just got to kill one guy. Or <laughs> one bride. One bride, yeah. It'll be fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, so you do something like that. 
I think it's a case of getting more preparation would be a bit more handier than trying your luck at a random pot shop from a cereal box. Yeah. Okay, so we're agreed, Chris. You're showing remarkable restraint in that first survival situation. I, I like it. Just wait. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> the more brutal stuff is being saved. Yeah. For Buck. For Buck. Oh, dear. <laughs> Flashback, Chris, because of the non-linear storytelling, to a couple of cops rocking up to the Nirvana church where the wedding got shot up and the bride is there, apparently dead. Uh, She's not dead. She's discovered to be alive and she's taken to a nearby hospital to recover from her injuries and she's in a coma. Bill sends uh, the mountain snake after her but changes his mind midway through the assassination to poison her and decides that she should just be left to stay in her coma for however long and if she wakes up she wakes up uh the mountain snake's not very happy about this but um she goes along with bill's orders anyway and four years pass and uma thurman is in a coma until she wakes up in this hospital and we come to the crazy creepy scene that apparently all tarantino films have where this guy buck Who's here to fuck? <laughs> what, it's, are you saying he has um, buckers in every film, or it's just there he has is a, a scene, <laughs> one is, scene that's really weird and creepy? Yes, there is a buck-like scene in. Uh, we'll we'll come on to them in a in a sec. Okay. But um, yeah, Buck. It turns out he's a hospital staff member who's been selling time with patients in comas. To hillbillies that want to have sex with <laughs> hillbillies <laughs> <laughs> or whoever who wants to have sex with um unconscious people uh unfortunately for this one guy well not unfortunately he's a f- fucking weirdo yeah, so yeah he pays 75 dollars for this as well and uh, yeah uma thurman's awake yeah he gets on top to perform a nefarious act and he pays <laughs> for it because uma thurman's awake and kills him bites it's, his lip or yeah it's his, his tongue it's his lip i think isn't it i think it's his lip that i made me flinch when she bit it and how far she'd stretch out i I actually flinched at that and then what did she she kills him he rips yeah. her throat out that bit's not sure you don't see the buck returns to find him just a bloody mess all down his front so i'm guessing she ripped his lip off and however she killed him and he died throat out punched him something like that who knows but it looked horrendous yeah Buck comes in and Uma Thurman, because she's been in a coma for four years, she's lost the use of her legs. She's lost leg muscle. And uh, she's crouched behind the door. Buck comes in. She takes him out from the legs, gets his head in between the door. And then she has a flashback of her in a coma. And I'm Buck. I like to be a fucking creepy bastard. And then she crushes Buck's head in the, in the door and steals Buck's car. The pussy wagon. Because of course it's called the pussy wagon a bright yellow pickup truck <laughs> yep i don't really want to survive as buck or his hillbilly friend no because they but well, i mean the main one the main uh, thing would be not to arrange to abuse your unconscious patients yes the other way you have to go about it if you've done it and you came to this situation because i mean she she cuts the back of his his ankle he's a Achilles tendon so he collapses but then she somehow drags him there I mean getting your tendon cut doesn't render you unconscious it just means you can't stand on your leg or whatever he then collapses and he's like completely out of it and she drags him in between the door well maybe it's the shock the 
takes him unawares. I don't know, but all he had to do was put his hand up and catch that door and it wouldn't have slammed into his face. I think Uma's probably stronger than he is. She's been in a coma for four years. Yeah, but she, she can't walk. <laughs> she can barely use her hands. How on earth can she be stronger? When you put it like that, Chris, yes, you're right. You could have easily put your hand up and just stopped the door and then you could have retaliated. Her reflexes and stuff probably aren't even that good at this moment because yeah, you know, she's going to be disorientated, etc. Yeah, it takes her a while to sort of get composed. 13 hours. So I don't know why he done that because... Like I say, he only cuts his tendon, yet it somehow renders all of his body useless. He doesn't seem to be able to move at all because she has to drag him to that spot. Fear, maybe? Guilt? That he's done a really, really bad thing for four years, presumably? I think they should have panned the camera down and shown him wetting himself. Or Uma Thurman with a scalpel to his testicles. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's why he's not moving. I know Quentin Tarantino, she would have nipped it and the blow would have just sprayed across the room. Yeah. I've mentioned creepy Quentin Tarantino scenes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Tarantino's back catalogue. I've not seen many of his films no, at all. No, we've done Pulp Fiction. Do you remember the creepy scene in Pulp Fiction? The underground sex dungeon thing with the guy in a latex suit yes. chained up at the wall, yeah? The gimp in a basement in That's a cage it. in a yes. box. <laughs> that guy. Uh, raping Wallace and uh, attempting to rape Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty bad. And um, yeah, also from Reservoir Dogs. Probably not on the same scale of of creepiness you weren't here for the reservoir dogs episode never even seen it it's a good it's it's really good film uh tarantino's first but i did this episode with ben and there's a scene in this chris where michael madsen who's also in this tarantino alumni uh he sinisterly dances to stuck in the middle with you and chops off a cop's ear and douses him in petrol Okay, that's not that bad, but uh, I see you what you mean by You didn't it. see the dancing, Chris. <laughs> oh, was it good? It's the creepiest dancing known to mankind. Pulp Fiction. Very sinister. <laughs> oh, no, Reservoir Dogs, isn't it? Is it on Netflix? Uh, Reservoir Dogs is not, I'm afraid. Pulp Fiction has been for a little bit. Yeah. Which is the creepiest scene to come out of the crazy brain of Tarantino? Which would you not like to be part of, essentially? What, as the victim or the person doing it? The victim. You wake up and you're being Probably sinisterly the, uh, danced to <laughs> by Michael Madsen. Uh, I mean, the sissy dance one doesn't sound too bad. Obviously, the dousing oh, the petrol's not good. the cop dies after, so... Okay, right. <laughs> I don't know. I think the one that I'd feel worse about would be waking up from the coma to find that you've been a... Uh, Mounted by a hillbilly. For over, for over four years, or four years has probably happened to you on a regular basis. Yeah. I also wouldn't like the gimp one, but that sounds like it's more of a one-off thing and... You're aware that it's happening to you. <laughs> yeah, and Bruce Willis is in the other room as well. You're okay. You know Brucey, Willis is Bruce gonna, is there. Yeah. Is, Bruce is there. You, you're in safe hands with Bruce Willis. I would have... Sometimes. Out, <laughs> sometimes. I would have out-sinistered. Sinistered, that's, that's not a word, but outdone the uh, the guy who's dancing because he would dance weird. I cannot understate, Chris, how sinister the dancing is. Oh, oh I, w- I would have you returned fire. You have to fire. see it to believe I it. I would have returned fire. That's... <laughs> Done a, done a sinister dance in the chair while you're tied up. Just going, oh, yeah, go on. Just a jiggle. Just, Just a jiggle. jiggling in the chair. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> so, yes. What was the... What did we say? The coma. coma the coma, order, I think, okay. would be the worst one. Because also, if you've lost muscle mass, then you're helpless, more or less, aren't you? Yeah. Because we're not trained assassins, so if we woke well, up I mean, from a you're coma... Not, but... <laughs> 
whatever. You say you're an assassin, but I'm still alive. I'm assuming that's why you're doing this podcast, to assassinate me. At some point, (laughs) you'll find out. There's a donk. It means Chris has thrown the mic at my head. (laughs) (laughs) The moment has come for him to assassinate me. But uh, if you're not at the peak of physical fitness, I mean, I would have withered away into nothingness if I was in a coma for four years. I probably would have gained weight. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so as I feel like when I happened, when I woke up, I would have been covered in bed sores on my back. I would have gained <laughs> several kilos. In pus-filled bed sores. <laughs> Lovely. The bride recovers. Uh, in our recovery time, we get a brief origin story, both animated and live action for Orin, Lucy Liu's Orin character. Animated sequences to flesh out her backstory as a kid when that one for longer than what i thought it would it did yeah it was kind of unexpected i didn't mind it it was a, I liked a, it, yeah. a weird change of pace what did you think of the animation style of it oh i liked it i've, I've seen that type of style before in different animes okay i didn't I like it i'm not particularly a fan of it because it makes all the skin look really gooey <laughs> like if i stuck <laughs> no, my good. finger <laughs> get sucked in but um, no, it's a, it's a good sequence to kind of flesh out that character and give her a sympathetic backstory. And then there's a live action sequence where Orin has become a, sort of the head of the underground. Yakuza. The Yakuza, yeah. And um, she's being challenged essentially for her, her background, her parentage. And she doesn't take this kindly, jumps up onto the table, runs across, does a little trot a little trot across the table and chops off the offending guy's head. Uh, what a huge blood spurt. Massive, yeah, arterial spray. Realistic. I but love the arterial spray in this film. Yeah, there's a lot of it. Oh. I think good. they used 450 gallons of blood, I read somewhere. Wow. It's a lot of <laughs> a lot of blood. What does this guy think is going to happen when Orin jumps up on the table and trots across? I don't know, because he just sits there, doesn't he? I don't know if she's done it so fast he couldn't respond. It doesn't look fast. I'm not sure how fast she can run like that. Because if she was doing that to me, I just would have stood up and she would have got there and I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Get off the table. (laughs) Lean back (laughs) across the table. So you're far away from her sword, yeah. I think what he's hoping is going to happen is the other council members are like, actually, that's all right. She's head of the Japanese underworld, but she's half American, half Chinese. Yes. (laughs) But uh, no, none of the others care. No, because she's got a samurai sword. Also... There's a to make a point, she goes, I'm gonna talk in English, a language that none of you understand to prove that I'm really serious. That makes sense. And no then it sense. gets translated uh, Yeah. I don't know, maybe it was just so the viewers didn't have to keep reading subtitles. Maybe, yeah. I'm very slow with subtitles. Or maybe it's a power play on her part. Maybe none of them speak English. She's making them feel inferior or something like Possibly, that. Possibly, because she's like, Look at me, I'm multilingual. I'm also <laughs> Morty, I've got, I've got different samurai forms or whatever. That would make me feel inferior if you started speaking another language. Fluent Japanese. Yes. This is what I did in my week <laughs> off. <laughs> I learned Japanese. Yeah. So no help from his fellow Yakuza members. And you got no head. Just don't question your uh, violent leader's... Heritage. Ethnic, or, oh, heritage. <laughs> I was trying to think of a word. <laughs> yeah, just, um, just go over the flow. Because he keeps saying about how the council's had... Uh, he keeps saying how the council's had like a uh, perversion done to it. At first, I misread the subtitles and I thought he said preservation. But apparently, <laughs> it was perversion. Just give her the times, man. Yeah. Yakuza members can be multiracial. It doesn't matter. But if you're going to question her right to lead the Yakuza, 
maybe get the support of some of the other members before you bring it to the council table so you know you've got someone backing you up. Ah, build the rebellion first before you unleash it. Exactly. That's a tactical miscalculation on his part. I think it's because he's angry. He's not thinking clearly. Well, think clearly. He needs to take some sake. Yes, he needs he needs to get drunk. That'll ease the pain of having his head cut off. I'm sure that will help. But we flash forward again to when the bride has recovered from her coma and she goes off to track down Orin. But she needs some proper steel first if she's going to enact her revenge. And she gets a legendary crafter of samurai swords to make her the ultimate sword of revenge and destruction. And with that... She goes off, finds Orin as she's having dinner or something at this uh, band disco place thing. I don't know what they're doing. No. She goes there, finds them, clears out everyone, all of the innocent people, and uh, Orin and her guards are left to try and uh, deal with the bride. Now, Orin's forces are made up of a few separate notorious individuals. One of them being Gogo, who's a 17-year-old. Uh, she's played by uh, someone that was in Battle Royale, which is a film that Tarantino likes. I can't imagine why an ultra-violent <laughs> director would like an ultra-violent film. But uh, anyway, she's one of um, Orin's bodyguards. And she also has at her command the Crazy 88, Chris. A bunch of trained killers and ninjas who are led by this bold dude and they're really crazy. They all wear those uh, domino masks. Yeah, like the Kato masks from Green Hornet and and things like that. Yeah, I'm not not sure. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee wears one? Yeah, because I think Bruce Lee was the original Kato in the TV show. And also the orange the the yellow jumpsuit motorbike suit that um uma thurman wears throughout this whole conflict with the crazy 88 is uh is again a, a an homage to bruce lee who wore the same sort of outfit in his final film didn't know that it all comes full circle so mm. there's a lot to unpick in this scene chris we switch from color to black and white oh well whoa, whoa, slow i'm gonna i'm gonna break it down slower than that and in some kind of (laughs) i'm gonna break in and in some kind of order first off there aren't actually 88 members of the crazy 88 did you count uh i didn't count i googled because i'm not counting that shit (laughs) (laughs) no um apparently well because eight is a is a lucky number um and also 88 the crazy 88 sounds better than the crazy 49 or 50 or something there's about 40 50 actual members that are credited as being part of the the crazy 88 it just means the other load weren't there they're off doing something else weren't they (laughs) the other 38 were were off missing in action no there's not actually 88 of them so that sort of slightly increases the survival odds doesn't it well barely if anybody else is still certain death if you are a member of the crazy 88 because it does not end well for them First off, though, Orin sends the six members that she's got with her at the time to take on the bride. One of them goes down solo, first off, to try and take her down. It does not end well for him. He ends up skewered on the end of a sword and lifted up and dropped into a pool. Three of them then go down to try and take her on. They don't last much longer. And then a final two go down and and try and have a skirmish. 
should we go through all of the more notable ones in this scene for before? a moment for a moment i thought you were gonna say do you want to go through everyone individually <laughs> We're not doing that. I can tell you that for a fact. Because first off, I'm not entirely sure which shots with the sort of kill shots. Because there's a lot of limb loss and, and yeah. cuts and kicks and bits and bobs. So I'm not sure which blows in themselves are lethal. Because a bunch of them do get up and walk out uh, at the end of that fight. Out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can't take their limbs, though. Because she owns them. Yes. And rightly so. She's put down a deposit of blood <laughs> to to get those bits and bobs some of the more notable ones friendly fire from a hatchet that's been thrown gets one of the guys it misses the bride completely revenge though as the bride gets the hatchet and throws it back at the guy and hits him in the head decapitations were in there someone got sliced right down the middle that was a good one yeah a wilhelm charges in and gets cut in the gut people are thrown off railings and onto tables uh, there's a breakdancing scene where a lot of legs get chopped off. The brother of Wilhelm yeah. <laughs> runs uh, up and uh, gets cut and gets rolled down some stairs, uh, performing the classic Wilhelm uh, battle cry. <coughs> there you go. So that's, <laughs> that's double. Good. I always like hearing those. Yeah, double Wilhelmage. Uh, I'm sure they're yep. used a lot in old kung fu films. Oh yeah, I can imagine it would be. It's They're a classic. There uh, was also uh, when they were fighting, she slices two across the chest, and while she's still fighting, you can see them both in the background standing and just spraying blood out. Yeah. Until they then collapse. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Someone's eye is plucked out, and that's the point where we get to the black and white scene. Yeah. I think that's done for a number of, for a couple of reasons. One, it's an homage to older films that used to do that. They used to shoot in black and white. To... I thought you meant eye gouge. No. <laughs> No eye gouging. But no, they're shot in black and white to avoid unsightly blood. That's part of the reason why that Tarantino did it, because he was told, yo, dude, this is a bit violent. There's <laughs> too much blood. You might want to tone it down a bit. So he's done it for necessity and... As Artistic a, stuff. <laughs> yeah. Then there's a fight with the, the Morlin silhouette and people yeah, are getting good. cut up. And, of course, the ultimate humiliation, getting spanked. <laughs> yeah, that was a great scene. This is what you get for messing around the Yakuza. Go home to your mother. That guy is really lucky that he wasn't chopped up in the initial madness. Cause is he? Or will the Yakuza turn on him for abandoning his uh, post, if you like? No, I don't think there are enough left <laughs> to take umbrage with this guy and his lucky escape with a spank bottom. Do any of them stand out in particular, Chris, as survivable deaths? Yes. Does the guy that gets his eye plucked out, does he survive? Is that a lethal... Oh, no, I think you can lose an eye and still live, can't you? So... Was he cut before? No, I think he just said his eye knocked out and he like, screamed and went black and white and you didn't see him again. Yeah, and then all those people when she was spinning around on the floor with the two swords. Oh, break dancing! I mean, all you did was stand back, and you wouldn't have lost your ankle, or whatever. Or jump. Why are these swords so sharp? It's a mystical sword. Minimal That's strength, <laughs> and she cuts through bone and cartilage. Like yes, because it's because it's, it's a mystical sword it's made not mystical, with though. yakuza magic or some shit. <laughs> it's a legendary sword. I suppose it's difficult for them all to attack at once in case they stab each other. Yeah, unless there's a friendly fire thing going on. Especially with this being the Yakuza, notorious underworld Japanese gang. With Why the crazy 88, they're a different entity, but... But still, 
a gun. Just a, a gun. gun. <laughs> it's, all you had to do was, even if um, Orin pulled out a gun and just shot straight down, she probably, you know, Uma would probably be like, ooh, deflect bullets because the sword is unbreakable or whatever, but she would have been taken out eventually. It might be the same thing with Copperhead. A gun might not be her way of, but of it would doing solve things. So many things it would but um yeah bill uh, his deadly viper assassin squad they've got a, a weird moral code because they don't they didn't poison uma thurman while she was in a coma so maybe they don't do maybe they're a more personal assassination squad so a sniper from across the city wouldn't be their thing although we have seen oren in the flashback animated sequence use Sniping, a sniper yeah. and but also, again that probably wasn't when she was in bill's squad yeah maybe she's changed and the the group are a, a more personal personal swordy stabby thing. yeah right. so <laughs> maybe maybe that's why also she's part of the yakuza so she pays people to protect her so she poorly well the crazy 88 they're a formidable force but when you're up against uma thurman the black mamba of the squad yeah <laughs> i think <laughs> you're in real not. trouble i like her uh, when she sent gogo down the 17 year old schoolgirl with the ball and chain <laughs> yes yeah and she lasts longer than most of the members of the crazy 88 well she's got a dangerous weapon even when she made a little blade come out of the ball that looked terrifying does it need a razor blade as well because well, it's, it does, it's yes. deadly <laughs> enough just on its own isn't it without the blade also during some of the takes she accidentally hit quentin tarantino with that (laughs) (laughs) while he was standing behind the camera well i imagine they're quite an unwieldy weapon to control and it's most if you make one wrong mistake then it's going to go off in any direction and tarantino was in the wrong place that's great he's alive he's fine this is the cameraman but hits him yeah it wasn't was it a real was it no it wouldn't have been it It wouldn't i was gonna say Of course it's not. You Full bloody, on blow to the head from that. Yeah, you'd be in danger of killing your, your lead actress. So, no, it's not real, Chris. I'm That's a shame. never being in a film with you if you're using real swords and shit. <laughs> and go-go, she gets a, a plank of wood with some nails in it to the oh, brain. Stabs in her foot and then in the brain and she like, bleeds from the eyes and everything. Yeah. That was good. Brutal, not, but good. Not realistic, I don't think. But I don't. None of this film <laughs> was realistic. A woman in a motorcycle one piece kills forty or fifty members with over-the-top ridiculous blood spray, and you're complaining a girl bleeding from her eyes from a head wound is not realistic. When you put it that way, yes. Also, I don't think that she could do Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon kind of running up That was walls good, yes. I like and that. And getting an unbelievable amount of hang time in the air. Well, but the they were like, whoa. They were like, gasp when she done it. They're like, oh, she has the true power. <laughs> but no, this whole scene is brilliant madness. And it's an homage to all of Tarantino's childhood madness and... <laughs> All the kung fu films that he likes, and it's shot really well. Um, what do you think of the disco music that suddenly plays halfway through the fight? That was slightly off-putting for me. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. It was. How does that one woman? Um, I think she's she's English or something, but she's like the the right hand lady or whatever of oh, Sophia. Gets her arm chopped off. So much blood sprays out, and she survives. She doesn't even pass out from the blood loss. She is fine. Tornica. How? <laughs> I don't what know. Point? You asked how, I gave you an explanation. 
Oh, but it's fine for someone to bleed from the eyes and get unbelievable hang time. Yes. But ble- <laughs> of course. But failing to bleed out from a tiny little severed arm. Most of them should have bleed out. All of them that had lost their legs and arms just dragged themselves out or hobbled out. They all should have gone into shock and at least lost consciousness. There's a hospital right across the street. They'll all be, they'll all be right fine. <laughs> they do that because they have regular people getting beaten up in this club. It's a very rough club. Actually, no, it's not a rough club. It's quite a decent club. They got a rock band in there. Who play barefooted. Yes, that's a Quentin Tarantino thing. He loves the barefoot. Yeah, I, d- I didn't like the whole thing when she was sitting in the car and it kept focusing on her toes because I was looking at her right big toe and it was bent to the side. I was like, why? <laughs> why is it bent like this? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> distracted me from the rest of the film that did. Yeah, still he, thinking about it now. Yeah, don't. Tarantino's thinking about it so you don't have to. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, we come to the final showdown with Orin uh, after the bride's taken out all of the obstacles that stand in her way. They have a bit of a sword fight. Orin gets a good shot in on the bride's back, but it's to no effect because uh, Orin gets an extreme haircut. And by haircut, I mean her she, scalp gets But cut her off. brain doesn't get cut, does it? Because it I shows think a chunk of the brain goes. Well, I just thought the brain still looked smooth because I was thinking, does she like... As soon as the blade hit, th- hit her head, she like curved it to scalp her and leave the brain. No, but, um, I think I think she takes a sliver of the brain flat, off. Flat, yeah. Ooh. There's enough of the brain goes to kill her. I should think so. Bloody hell. Lucy Lou's fighting style. Orin, what do you? Is there any way? Her downfall was removing her shoes and fighting with just socks on in the snow. She got cold feet, <laughs> and uh, got messed up because of it. Her downfall was a pun. Yes. <laughs> no, because I think I'm not sure what shoe she was. She definitely wasn't wearing appropriate fighting shoes. No, so I think it's better to take them off. She's not really wearing fighting clothes either. That big floppy dress isn't much good. There's not much you can really do because, because you know, black mamba. They're a deadly snake. They're probably the deadliest member of the viper but deadly gang. The bride's not wearing appropriate fighting clothes because I. I think that suit she's wearing would be quite restricting in terms of kicks and how quickly you can move. Probably. I've never tried to fight in a leather. <laughs> we should in a leather jacket, <laughs> let alone leather trousers and leather jumpsuits. Yeah, Orin, she's got plenty of time to escape as well if we're going to try and run away. That is dishonourable thing. And great honour must be achieved. Racist, Chris? Ever so slightly. <laughs> Then stop doing it. (laughs) (laughs) But no, she's got plenty of time while the crazy 88 are giving off a distraction to, you know, run outside and grab a motorcycle and then ride off and find Bill and tell Bill that the bride's woken up. Uh, So she could have done that. But no, she decides to try and take her on one on one. Doesn't end well. And then the bride gets um, uh, Oren's right hand lady who's now not got a right hand of her own <laughs> and possibly missing more body parts yes she gets out some information that she wants from her and then drops her off at a hospital and bill pays her a visit and a creepy sinister visit when he's stroking her soul uh, shoulders yeah and then drops the bombshell tell me does she know her daughter's still alive <gasps> and dun 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 <laughs> And that'll be picked up in part two, Chris, which I think we'll do next week. Of course. To find out what happens to the bride and Bill. And does Bill get killed? Very important questions need answering. I always thought Bill was uh, Bill Nye. (laughs) Because in the the thumbnail for volume two is a picture of him with a samurai sword. With Bill Nye? Yeah. Are you sure? It looks like him. 
Unless the guy that plays Bill looks like Bill Nye. Yeah, I don't know. it's not kill the actor Bill Nye. <laughs> I don't, I don't think Bill Nye is in it. Right, okay. Nye's got a very distinctive voice, so... He does. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll pick pick up that story next week. But now, it's time for the news segment and Chris's Corner, where we sometimes ask Chris if he's seen a film this week. And I have. <laughs> have you seen a film this week? <laughs> I've seen four films. <laughs> Well, not including Kill Bill. No, that it does include Kill Bill. Sorry, so it'd be three films. Your maths is terrible. Maybe you should spend more time on that. <laughs> what films? Run us through them quickly, then. Child's Play three. Of course, you've been on a Child's Play binge. Bride of Chucky. Straight after it as well. That was good. And Insidious: The Last Key, the fourth instalment in the Insidious franchise. Ah, okay. Uh, take us through the Chucky ones then quickly. And Child's Play three, the worst one I've seen. <laughs> Has the lowest rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Completely understandable. And in terms of being the child's play film, it's it's okay. It's not as good as the first two. And then they bring in Bride of Chuck, at which point they gave up trying to do a horror slasher and went, let's make it into a comedy. And that works nicely. It's my favourite version of Chucky in this film. Comedic Chucky. Yeah, he's watching a... There's a romantic Is it also scene. your favourite version of Freddy Krueger? Comedic... Comedic Freddy Krueger. Comedic Kruger. dream killer. Because I, I, I'd have thought... You'd have been one of these people that would prefer an original version. So, like, the first Chucky is obviously probably the best Chucky and the most serious. And that could be said with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I would have thought you'd have preferred a more serious version than no, I like this weird c- dummy sex and whatever the That's fuck <laughs> Freddy Krueger turns into. So I, uh, I would have thought you'd have taken a less sympathetic no. approach with a going more comedic i enjoy this this version of chucky <laughs> yeah he's quite good so i'm looking forward to him being like this in cedar chucky but then after cedar chucky apparently it, they lose the campiness and the stuff and it goes back to being a, a serious horror franchise yeah but i like this thing of him just sitting there watching a a romantic scene between the two lead characters and he's there just like making the uh the wanking motion i enjoyed that, <laughs> I, that I, I can't imagine why chris <laughs> you crude son of a bitch but that was that was good. Insidious, good film. It's a nice instalment. I jumped a few times in the cinema. Is it the last instalment, or is it the last instalment until they reboot it? If or they come make back? another film, it's going to have to be set before these. The chronolog- chronological watching order would be three, four, and then it goes sh- four leads straight into the first film and the second film. So if That's they make a stupid, if they make a fifth film, it'd have to be set before any of these four. That's still stupid. Yeah, it's because they uh, they killed off the psychic lady she gets killed in the first one and she's a ghost in the second one. yeah like, they killed off the only person that was willing to come back for sequels yeah so they had to keep making, pre- <laughs> keep making prequels but they ended the full form of it leading directly into the first one so they can't fit anything in between that so if they make a fifth it's gonna have to be set before but the actress or is getting just, older now or, or just same or premise different, different people. people yeah again i don't think i think you've flogged that dead horse because it's from the same people that made saw uh, yes, I think so, yeah. So just stop, because you're doing no, the same thing. No, because look what they've done with Saw. They've done eight. There's going to be a fifth Insidious too film. many. And then when you make the timeline all wibbly, there's no point. You know you've you know you've know killed that particular dead horse. It wasn't a bad film, though. I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a good film, though, was it? Is that what you're saying? I'm still going to get it, because... Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, I have Blu-rays! <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was going by it on Blu-ray the other day. I didn't get it, but I'm going to. Oh, so you're going to steal it instead? Don't say that on <laughs> From the shop shelves. 
Uh, no, you ranked them last week in Chris's Corner when I did. you you watched some of the films. So where would Kill Bill rank? Oh, number one. Good. Kill Bill. Then I will go Insidious. Then it will be Bride of Chucky and then Child's Play 3. And next week I have another four films. <laughs> Brilliant. I can't wait. This is, you, this is the most effort you've put into any of them. <laughs> <laughs> some weeks you don't even watch the film that we're talking about. So, yeah. Okay, news proper, Chris. Captain Marvel set pictures have been released uh, of Brie Larson in our costume. Does it look Captain Marvel-y? It looks fairly Captain Marvel-y. It's not got the colour scheme that I'd associate with uh, traditional Captain Marvel. There's, uh, I think where the red is meant to be, it's more of a turquoise bluish-greeny type okay. of colour. But it, it looks good. It That's looks weird. pretty good. I'm, I'm not complaining about it. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Okay. Uh, I don't know whether we're getting Captain Marvel in Infinity War before. We're probably going to get a stinger for her in the... post credit scene. Yeah. Uh, that'll probably be about as much as we see. I'm not sure she'll actually be in... The war itself. Yeah. No. In other news, Steven Spielberg is set to start production on Indiana Jones 5 in 2019. Oh dear. Is that a film you want to see? Well, Crystal Skull was... <laughs> Pants. A bit of a letdown, yes. But... Harrison Ford wants to uh, he wants to do another one, doesn't he? But uh, um, if they don't go like a Christmas Skull thing and they start bringing in aliens, it's too late. They've already brought in aliens. That can of worms will not shut. <laughs> and they go back. Cause I, I, I like I still like the original ones where it's like uh, curses and yeah, mystical more stuff. traditional spiritual yeah fits into the more you know undertones. Not fucking aliens. I know. And Shia LaBeouf. I don't Shia want LaBeouf. Shia in my Indiana Jones films. I can live with the aliens, but not the LaBeouf. <laughs> I don't want him in my Indiana. He, no. He's not in this fifth one, is he? I wouldn't have thought so, no, because he's kind of is gone he, crazy. Has he gone crazy? Uh, well, he went crazy a few years ago. I'm not sure if he's still dealing still with <laughs> dealing with right. whatever issues that uh, have uh, been plaguing him. I'd assume that he wouldn't be in it. But um, yeah, okay. that's the thing that Spielberg is planning on working on at some point in the near future. Uh, the big bit of news that happened this week, Chris, is the Oscar nominations for all the various categories and things like that. So uh, we're obviously not big Oscar bait. Oscar bait. Movie <laughs> podcast. I mean, we're never going to, we're not going to watch I've never Gary watched Oldman's the Oscars. Darkest Hour. Or I am, Three Billboards. Oh, you are going to watch that. I've seen that next week. Thanks. Are you going to watch any of the other potential Oscar nominated films? I want to see the uh, Three Billboards out of... Is it Missouri or something, whatever it is? So I will watch that, but probably not before the, uh, the Oscars happen. See, I don't think you will ever watch that, Chris. I want to see that. Uh, Best Picture nominations. Call Me By Your Name. That's a weird title. Never even heard of it. Why would, why would you call me Chris? Because it's some sort of sinister serial killer film. It could be. Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, which was a horror film from last year. Did you watch that? I never saw that, no, but apparently it was quite good. Yes, yeah. It's not what you think it is. No, I thought it was a weird racial thing. Yeah, I thought it was, but it's, it's apparently it's, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's a, else. Yeah, it's apparently really good. Lady Bird, Phantom Lady Bird. Thread, The Post, Shape of Water, Three Billboards Outside, Edding, Missouri. I've heard of is one of those <laughs> films. No, sorry, two of those films. And then they got best best picture. I've never even heard of them. <laughs> well, I don't, the Shape of Water, I don't think is out here just yet. Oh, I read something about that actually. Shape of Water in the news. Yeah, me and Ben in our was. WhatsApp group asked to see it, and then it. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, and oh, then Ben said, "No, it's not out until next year." <laughs> so <laughs> that's how, that's how you've probably heard of it. 
Get Out, yeah. And, and I think the rest are all just Oscar bait films. All right. Because we're not that podcast, are we? No. But we're not going to talk about The Post because... I don't... What I, is that? Oh, that's the Tom Hanks one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That one I have seen advertised, yeah. But some films that we do watch on a fairly regular basis. Star Wars has gotten some Oscar nominations for music and, and sound and bits and bobs. Uh, Logan has got a, an Oscar nod for, I think, its best screen adaptation. Oh, from the Old Man Logan comic and all that lot? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they share nothing in common. But it's the best screen adaption of it. Yes, because they cut out the giant T-Rex. It's a T-Rex? They keep the T-Rex! You should keep the T-Rex! And the incesty, weird Hulk family. Probably did well to cut that out. I don't out. know anything about this, but I'm going to look into it. <laughs> you re- read the old man Logan comic. It's right. weird. Okay. There's a blind Hawkeye. It's <laughs> Excellent. And the Spider-Mobile is in it. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck's that? It's the... Sp- <laughs> look into it. I'm not explaining it here. Blade Runner got a nod for cinematography as well. Best cinematography, yeah. Uh, which is, yeah, it probably deserves it. It's one of the best looking films of the year, I'd say. Comes out next month on Blu-ray. Good. <laughs> I'm glad that you know that. The whole Oscar nom things are online if you do want to look at them. Not you, Chris, because I know you're... I'm not going to look at them. No, you're too lazy for that. I have no interest <laughs> in the Oscars. That pretty much sums up the show for this week. Um, we'll... Have a look at Kill Bill Volume 2 next week. But if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that. You can email us, wecouldsurvivethat at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at wecouldsurvive. Uh, any thoughts on um, Kill Bill or any of the news or anything like that, uh, we'll be happy to know. Also, if you would be so kind as to rate us on iTunes or thumbs up or down or subscribe on YouTube or wherever you find us, wherever you're listening to us, uh, support us. That'll be good fun yeah fun for us excellent (laughs) so much fun all done for another week well thank you everybody you have been listening to we could survive that your weekly survivor guide to the movies next week join us for kill bill volume two will the bride kill bill will bill kill the bride but we will see you all next week until then keep on surviving and samurai goodbye